one. Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a four-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, and I am recording in very rainy Aiken, South Carolina, but I think we're getting better weather this week, so. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, Emily. And I am Tyler Held. I'm a professional groom and a mental toughness coach. I'm a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I am a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and also currently a doctoral student. Uh, Currently recording from Ocala, Florida. It has just been absolutely lovely down here. And this month we are actually recording on our new manocaster recording device so we're hoping that that kind of ups our audio game a little bit despite the fact that emily and i are in separate locations yeah i'll be interested to see how this turns out but it seems like a cool piece of equipment yeah we're still figuring it out obviously so if it's not uh not perfect this go around by the next one we'll definitely be better cool well if you haven't listened to the podcast before welcome And if you have, welcome back. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by discussing topics related to our four pillars, which are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. In our main episode, which we release one a month, we talk about goal setting, books, 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 the main topic, listener questions, and actionable advice. We also released a few guest episodes, so be sure to check those out. All right, guys, so our main topic for this episode is going to be all about mistakes. We're calling this episode Beautiful Mistakes because if you're listening to this podcast, there's a 100% chance that you've made mistakes. Maybe they were small, maybe they were big. Either way, there's part of us that is just so uncomfortable with making mistakes. And we want to talk about why we should embrace these mistakes and how we can learn and grow from them. And it's just really exciting to get to talk to you guys about this stuff because I know Emily and I have gone through our own troubles and this is kind of a way that we can reach out and be like, okay, we're all going to grow through this together. Um, So keep on listening. We're going to get through our kind of beginning segments, word of the year, books, 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 and then we're going to dive into that topic. So be sure to stay tuned. Great. So our first section uh, that we cover in this podcast is our word of the year or goals. We had a striding forward 2021 webinar, uh, and we just talked about how to pick a word of the year and uh, the two plus one goal framework that we're using this year. And if you weren't able to join and you're interested in learning from that, just send us an email and we can get you a link. Yeah. Or hit us up on social media as well. Yes. Any and all of the things. So that being said, uh, my word of the year is dynamic and I'm just going to, again, define it because this definition just I love it positive and attitude and full of energy and new ideas and I am definitely feeling it like I'm feeling very dynamic in 2021 I love it so 
Yeah. I'm into my word choice. Uh, and then as far as the goals go, our two plus one goals, um, my big goal, which was to complete a five star this year, had a lot of drama around it in the past weeks. If you are an eventer or an eventing enthusiast, I'm sure you have heard all about this Kentucky drama and how it was they couldn't hold it. They were going to cancel it. But then everybody came together, raised a bunch of money. Now they're putting it back on. Whew, it has been an emotional roller coaster, to say the least. And um, I actually wrote a blog post about my initial reaction to it being canceled. And so check that out if you're interested. Yeah, but I am thrilled that now it's going to happen. So... I think you definitely maybe need to put together a, a blog post about your, you know, restored hope now and setting strides forward to the to the oh, actual perfect. event. That's a good idea. That I'm going to run read. with that. Yeah. Awesome. So anyways, still working towards that goal and it's still alive. So, um, and then as my other goal is to complete my yoga teacher training and I am making progress, but it's still slower than I would like. Uh, Aiken has just been, like, super busy. I just, every year I think I have all this free time. I come down and I'm like, oh, I'm not at home. Like, my husband's at home. I have so much more free time. And then just there's a lot of stuff. So There always um, is. There, yep, always is. So I am, again, trying to make that more of a priority, but that's where I'm at at that. And my plus one goal had to do with putting more money into savings. Um, and I actually have been really good on that one. That's probably like the best goal, even though that was the, that was supposed to be your stretch goal. (laughs) I know, but I, I've, um, really been working on it. So, um, I've had some extra income just with clinics and, you know, more lessons down here and, riding horses and stuff. So anything that I hadn't planned on making, I'm just kind of like throwing that in the savings. So I'm feeling really good about that. I love that. I actually just started using the Acorns app that like automatically invests your money for you. And I set up like kind of just like a small reoccurring investment each week that just pulls it right out of my bank account. So that's something to think about if, if financial goals are on your horizon for the year as well. Good to know. So, Tyler, tell me about how 2021 and your word and goals are going for you. So my word that I chose for this year is to thrive. And I've actually been thinking a lot about how like this ties into mindfulness and how you truly can't thrive without being in the present moment. So a lot of the work that I do for my doctoral program right now, I'm taking positive psychology and um, mental skills training. And we talk about being in the zone, having really positive experiences, and all of these things exist in the moment. And mindfulness is moment-to-moment non-judgmental awareness. And so I've just been kind of like taking a step back to think about how truly thriving means really like investing yourself fully and completely into the moment wherever you are. And so something that I'm doing really well this year that I think I've struggled a lot with in the past is just to be immersed in what I'm not doing without thinking about my to-do list. Like, obviously, I have a lot of schoolwork on top of my job, and I have, like, you know, relationships that I'm trying to maintain outside of work. 
and, you know, my hobbies and everything. And I just try to really compartmentalize those things and be like, okay, when I'm at the gym, I'm just at the gym. Or when I'm at the barn, I'm just at the barn. And I'm not going to worry about what time we're going to get done today or like if this thing is going to go wrong and like set a spiral. Like I would just like try to be really absorbed in that is helping me to thrive more. That's great. Yeah. So you're thriving in each moment and situation. So definitely, definitely. And then as far as the goals, I'm just going to touch on one of my goals. Um, cause the other two are kind of stagnant. So I'm going to talk on one of my two goals, um, which is like finding a living situation that is like more permanent and, um, definitely have kind of made some progress on that. Uh, we've talked to people about the land that we're interested in building a cabin of sorts on and got like the regulations. And basically we Mm -hmm. would be limited to making a 750 square foot house, which like, I think is great. I love tiny house living. I think it's wonderful. I even found a like 650 foot square square foot house that's like a hobbit house that has grass growing on top and it just seems like a dream to me but (laughs) I don't know all right um I need to see pictures and does it have like the rounded hobbit door yeah it's like basically like a dome a round dome covered in grass on the outside and like it's all very eco-friendly and stuff like that and like the base house like it doesn't come with like sewage and stuff like that so you have to like add a lot of things but like the base house is only like twenty thousand dollars wow i mean there are benefits to tiny house living for sure absolutely so i'll keep you guys posted on that we'll see where we go when we get back to pennsylvania i think things will get like a little bit more serious in that hunt as well awesome All right, Tyler, what time is it? I think it's time for Books, Books, Books! Books, books. We were a little off sync there, but we're not in the same place, guys. Yeah. Please don't judge us. So without, like, having a visual cue, I think we did pretty well on that. (laughs) So, Emily, tell me about books. Um, well... It's honestly been a rough month for reading. As I said before, Aiken has been just super busy, and so I'm only... Which is great. I love it, but a little less time for reading. So I'm really just reading right before I go to bed, and I'm usually exhausted, so I pass out like three to five pages in, which makes it difficult to make a whole lot of progress. But I am currently reading Myths of the Asanas by Alana Cavalia, who is my yoga teacher training instructor. So, And this is like required reading for the um, certification program. Okay. So I'm kind of like killing two birds with one stone and it's, um, it's not like a textbook. It's just, it's a yoga philosophy and also obviously mythical stuff as the title would suggest. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying it. It's a good, good read and they're like small sections cause it's a couple pages on each asana, which an asana is a pose and then um so it like explains the asana and then it gives you a story about how it originated and so it's just very interesting um 
I actually enjoy that part and it makes it a little more fun when you're then actually doing the yoga practice because you're like, oh, I remember this story about this pose and like you just get into it a little bit more. Um, like one, I really like wheel pose and that's basically like an extreme back bend. Um, and anyway, I just like love it. It makes me feel great and is dynamic. that like a a bridge basically um you would go up into it after a bridge so okay. you could like you'd start in bridge but then you put your hands behind you like on the ground and then you lift up into a back bend okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one too yeah it just like feels great um and if you're an adept yogi your hands can connect to your feet and this completes like your circuit of internal energy um, and anyway, they were just like explaining it because the, um, Sanskrit word for wheel pose is chakrasana. Um, and so chakra, sorry, I said that wrong, chakrasana. So chakra, asana, it's talking about like all the energy centers and how that works, um, when you're in the pose and yeah, it's, so I'm just, I'm learning stuff That's and cool. enjoying it. Yeah. But that is as far as my reading goes. So, Tyler, I think you have done a little bit more, so I'm going to let you take it away. Well, I don't know if I've technically done more because I've called you out on this in the past, but I've gotten <laughs> really, really into audiobooks. Um, so I heard on actually one of my other favorite podcasts um, with Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery, um, he, there was like, you know, they always have the ads and they had an ad for Libby, which is an app that you can get audiobooks for free with a library card and you can get like ebooks mm -hmm. for free too. But I'm not a big ebook person. I like it to be a physical paper or an audiobook. And I've always been hesitant to try Audible because I have kind of an addictive personality. And I knew that if I was into audiobooks, I wouldn't want to just listen to two a month. And so that was like kind of limiting to me. But with yeah, this, it's going to be an expensive habit. Yeah, no, like no way. <laughs> But this, like, you can literally have 12 books on hold, and you can be renting eight books at a time. So I've done some damage. Um, the, nice. The first book that I read that was really, or listened to that was noteworthy, um, was Notorious RBG. And, like, it was awesome. I had listened to an episode of um, another podcast that I enjoy called Imagined Life, and it was about her and it kind of piqued my interest about RBG just because I like, I don't feel very educated on the subject of like women's rights and like whatever mm -hmm. I've like, I think I've taken a lot of it for granted in the past, but like listening to this book was definitely very empowering of, I don't know, I feel like as someone in the 20th century, I'm like, oh, you know, like women just have rights. Like I don't feel um, necess necessarily like being a woman which I think just goes to show how effective the work that RBG has done but to really mm -hmm. get an appreciation of like what has happened to make me feel this way in the 20th century like that's amazing I will have to check that out it was really good um and I I loved that Philip did uh RBG Dressed up as oh. RBG for that charity horse show, Philip yes, Dutton. Yes, that was hilarious. If you haven't um, seen Philip Dutton dressed up out. as RBG, you have to go look at it. Um, at Dutton Eventing on yeah. 
Instagram. Exactly, exactly. Um, so then some other books that I listened to, um, one was called Happiness, and I'm going to totally butcher the author. It's like Tich Not Hun, and it was all about mindfulness. Um, the big takeaways that I took away from it were community, and they were talking about like having a sangha, which is an ancient Buddhist thing, community, but having a sangha in modern times is like having a community of friends practicing dharma together in order to bring about and maintain awareness um so like basically like these are the people that you fall back on and like really having that community was stressed throughout the book and i really like that because obviously like one of the pillars we talk about at the whole equestrian is like having our community having our people that say like yeah like we're going to work and strive together yeah so that was cool and then i listened to one called being mortal again really gonna butcher the author atul gawande um and honestly i think that everyone should listen to that one as well because it was all about how denying our mortality may decrease the quality of our life in the last years of it and it's basically talking about how uncomfortable people are with like coming to terms with like terminal illnesses and stuff and like doctors will always have something more to do like they can always throw more chemotherapy at you or radiation or like they can be like oh we can try this surgery but they don't always talk about how less might be more of you know okay maybe you'll only have one year to live but it will be much better than if we try to extend your life you're gonna have all these side effects and stuff like that mm -hmm. so and he goes through it in like personal stories so he'll talk about like a patient he has he talks about his mother-in-law he talks about his own father um and so it's like really personal and it gives you a grasp of like how people deal with old age which i think is like you know i'm i'm young and like my parents are still like relatively young and healthy but a few years ago i had like i knew my parents went through a lot with all my grandparents like dealt with illness and like the end of life stress and so i don't know i just thought it was very eye-opening for all of that yeah it sounds fascinating and like an important topic to learn about absolutely absolutely and then i just wanted to talk a little bit about a book that i am actually reading called practicing positive psychology coaching which you Emily... can't say reading what? Oh, wait, you're actually, I thought you were talking about the Dare to Lead book. No, I was no. like, you're listening, Tyler. I'm going to call you out. This one. But continue on. I, well, okay, so I decided, okay, I guess I should probably touch on Dare to Lead, which is a Brene Brown book that I listened to about vulnerability and like how it basically a more effective leader. Definitely check out Brene Brown if you haven't. But I was feeling like my books, books, books segment was getting a little long. Yeah, so I, I mean, you booked it. Okay, go Go on but, back to your actual okay, red so book. I do. and But Emily, I am kind of like you on this one where it's for school. So yours was for yeah. yoga teacher training. This is for my yeah. school. But um, this book, Practicing Positive Psychology Coaching by Robert Biswas Diener, um, had a really powerful anecdote about climbing mountain Kilimanjaro. And basically they had a porter that was on the trip that died of altitude sickness when they were one day away from the summit and the author decides to descend the mountain to take the body back even though there was a choice to make it to the top and i just thought, thought this quote was really powerful 
Um, it said, contained within this ill-fated story of my trip to Kilimanjaro are some of the most important lessons I have learned about goals, motivation, and optimism. For me, the trip was an intense firsthand experience of how commitment to a major goal can both help and hinder a person psychologically. While investing heavily in an outcome, such as reaching a summit, metaphorical or literal, can provide the extra dash of drive needed to succeed, it also means an extra sting if you are met with failure. Contained within this story are also important lessons about how an outside force can act on our goals, no matter how worthy or well-planned they are. Finally, embedded in this tale is an important lesson about hope. Hope was the force that pulled me towards Africa, allowing me to fantasize that I might stand at the top of the continent's highest peak. Hope was the power that tugged me onward to the, on the flank of the mountain even when I was exhausted. Hope was the force that distracted me when, from Im taking immediate life-saving action when our porter fell ill. Goals, motivation, and hope. All three presented both their best and their worst in me that day. And I just thought that was, like, so important to hear about how, like, basically overcommitting to goals can be a negative thing and, like, having this outcome goal. And, Emily, I actually thought about you of, like, you know, if your only goal for this year at all was to, like, just get to Kentucky and compete at Kentucky, like, no matter how well planned it was, like, for a second there that wasn't going to happen. And like, thank God, like it's restored. But even though it's restored, you can't let that be like your only thing. And like, you, yes, you can hope for it and be motivated and like set towards it. But if you wrap your identity and your self-worth up into that goal, like that's where people just crumble. They lose themselves. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. That yeah, was good. Thank you. I will I will stop rambling about books now, even though I could probably go on for another hour. <laughs> a whole episode about books, books, books. We say that all um, the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we can jump into the main topic now, which is beautiful mistakes. So Tyler, I am going to let you steer the ship here. All right. Okay, so let's First, let's like, let's just talk about mistakes, right? Because like, clearly, again, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, if you're a human being listening to this podcast, you have made a mistake, be it small, be it big, you've probably made multiple. I've made big mistakes. They're a thing. Um, so some of the negatives about mistakes. Mistakes can obviously lead to disasters that prove to be costly. And I'm thinking in terms of the horse world, like this is oftentimes amplified because horses are so fragile and like little mistakes of care, even if they were well-intended, could end in disastrous um, outcomes. Um, yeah. And those mistakes in some cases are also not reversible. So like it's clear that you would want to avoid having like these reversible, like irreversible disasters. That's very understandable. Um, but you know, we're, we are imperfect beings and we're prone to making mistakes, even if we don't intend to. Uh, so then let's talk about some of the positive of mistakes. Mistakes allow us to learn and understand why things happen. It's like, okay, well, like why did this go this way? And you get to see, the trail of 
actions, events, or thoughts that led you to that place. And then you can learn how to not repeat the same problem. And honestly, one of the best ways to learn is, you know, by figuring out what doesn't go right. Um, and it also helps us to train and reinforce anticipated behavior so we can avoid making mistakes in the first place. So like, I, one of my favorite quotes is the first step to being incredibly good at something is being incredibly bad at something. And I just like really resonate with that because I feel like you kind of have to be bad to be good. You have to make mistakes to learn what not to do as much as we would all love to start a new thing and just be like, ah, I'm perfect. More often than not, you learn by doing what's wrong than what's right. For sure. And again, just to kind of bring that back to horses, like as a riding instructor, you know, you you really want your students to avoid making mistakes. But then at the same time, like you can't tell them everything to do or not do. And sometimes you just have to let them make those mistakes again so that they learn. Because the best way, like you can be told not to do something, um, but then it's like it doesn't really have the same effect as actually making the mistake and then learning from it. Exactly, exactly. And then some of like the things that happen when we make mistakes can really negatively affect our performance. So if you're on the you know, defensive of like, I made a mistake and this is the end of the world. That's something called catastrophizing. So probably whatever mistake you made is not the end of the world. It's going to take a lot more than like a little slip up from you to end this here, you know, big old earth that we're all living on. So you might think that you're the center of the universe and this is the biggest deal ever. And like to you, it might be, but catastrophizing the event is never going to be positive. Like you can't come out of that and be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I'm a better person now. That's just going to get you into a very negative place. And that's often associated with negative self-talk. If you're beating yourself up for making a mistake or telling yourself how useless you are, you're literally eliminating your ability to have the confidence to rise to the challenges ahead of you. Yeah. And we've had an episode about self-talk, but, you know, it's what you say in your head is you you hear it and then you kind of resonate with it and you've got to talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend, right? Like you're not going to be so hard on somebody else. So like, why would you be so hard on yourself? Like you're doing your best. And I think you've used the analogy about like the baby, right? Like when they fall down, when they learn to walk, right? Am I making this up or did you use this? At first you said baby and I was like, I don't ever recall talking about (laughs) a baby. The walking baby. (laughs) It would, I don't think babies walk. I think it's usually like a toddler, right? (laughs) This is how much, well, how little I know about babies. I don't know how. Little children, when when they learn to walk. Yes. You're like, oh my God, like, haha, they're learning. But like, if you fall down and you're an adult, when you're like learning a new skill or like fall down metaphorically by making a mistake, people are like, oh no, this is horrible. I can't do this. I'm no good. Well, you know, a baby when it falls down does not have the ability to think I'm no good at this. I'm never going to do it. So they just keep trying. Yeah. So we need to embrace that. 
Um, another reaction when we make mistakes can be like it can take you out of the moment. If you're upset that you made a mistake, you actually then just are like thinking about what you did in the past and you're not actually being present. And I know that this, again, tying it back to horses, um, like if you're out on course and you make a mistake, say you're, you missed at a fence or like you had a run out or, um, any number of things, or if you're in a dressage test and you go off course or whatever, you can, it can be very easy to just focus on that. And chances are, if you just continue to focus on the mistake you made, you are not going to do well, like for the rest of the course or the rest of the, the dressage test. So I think really understanding that it's like normal to kind of be upset about it, but then realizing that, okay, that happened in the past. I need to stay present now so that again, like you can learn from it and not hopefully make the same mistake in the future. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of these kind of like thoughts and reactions come from this culture of perfectionism that a lot of us have. Like, you know, I, I think Emily and I, are very type A people. And even if you're not type A, like in this society, we just have such a idealist view of like being perfect and like being perfect is that vision of success. Um, but there's like a lot of pitfalls to this perfectionism. So one of the things is that avoiding mistakes prevents you from growing or putting yourselves into situations where you might mess up. And I found this really great quote from Brene Brown that ties well into this. And obviously I just listened to one of her books. So it's just like the idea of perfectionism was like fresh on my mind because she talked about a lot of that in the book that I listened to. But um, Brene says that perfectionism is not the same thing as striving to be your best. Perfectionism is the belief that we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect. That we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. It's a shield. It's a 20-ton shield that we lug around thinking it will protect us when in fact it's the thing that's really preventing us from flight. So true. So, so true. I, I definitely resonate with that because I, I tend to have some perfectionist um, qualities. So not to put you on the spot, Emily, but do you have mm -hmm. any like examples of where you think like being a perfectionist has actually held you back from being successful at something? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of something specific, but just like in general, when I start new things, um, like I want to just be good at them. And sometimes I take so much time trying to figure out how to be good at it that I don't just do it. And um, I guess the, the first year of our podcast, 2019, my word of the year was action because a lot of times I'd like think about how to do all these things but I didn't do them because I didn't think I would be perfect at it, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, um, I was actually going to bring that up as an example because I also feel like 
all of 2020, we talked about getting you to add like blog. Cause I, for most of 2020, I had been blogging for the whole equestrian and mm-hmm. I feel like you were kind of like waiting and waiting to get that perfect idea. And now that you've put some out there, like your blogs are so well-written and so popular, but it kind of did take this getting over the hump of perfectionism to get it out there and get your voice out there. Yeah. Oh, you know me so well. <laughs> you you know what I was doing, holding off on writing blog posts. <laughs> I sure uh, did. But, but look yeah. at you now. Look at me now. So cool. Um, anything else on the perfectionism front? Yeah, or- just to jump in a little bit to add um, some. There's uh, we've talked about before. Dr. Carol Dweck has research on mindset and basically how labeling yourself as something can be really damaging, even if it's a positive label, because if you say I'm smart or I'm athletic or, you know, I'm strong, if you're put in a situation where this tests you, you start to feel uncomfortable of like, this is my identity and now I have to be strong. And not everyone is smart all the time. Not everyone is athletic all the time. Not everyone performs well all the time. So to have this perfectionist ideal that ties into a personal label about yourself can also be very damaging and very negative. So if you you know, go out on a cross country course to be like, I'm a winner. Yeah. Like there's a great, there's great research behind positive self-talk and like positive affirmations and everything like that. But when you attach your self-worth and identity to these labels, we really run into a problem of being able to embrace when things aren't going our way. Yeah. So then when you make a mistake regarding something you like identify with, then it's that much more of a hit to your ego basically right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and then as i said you know as we embrace that that kind of ties into the next thing that i wanted to talk about was like embracing the suck so when i first started grooming i there was like a lot of things that i wasn't good at like for goodness sake the first working student job i I was at i couldn't even lift a water bucket i had to make my parents go buy me a hose because the barn i was working at didn't have a hose and i just like physically could not lift water buckets i was i was a horrible horsewoman there was a lot that i didn't know (laughs) i hadn't had a pony club upbringing i hadn't had a 4-h upbringing like the basic standard ligaments and tendon care, you know, problem care. I just like, I didn't have that. And even like things as simple as braiding, like I I got to a point where I thought I was really, really good at braiding. I was like getting paid to braid. I was like, ah, these braids are great. My boss lets me braid for all of the shows. And I kind of moved into a next tier barn and I was told my braids aren't good enough. And then you kind of have this feeling of, I've been making a mistake this whole time. This whole time, people, I'm like, people paid me for these braids and they suck. And you kind of just have to embrace the suck and have this growth mindset to be able to be like, okay, like, yeah, I made mistakes, but what can I do to do 
be better. And like for a month, I spent every night in the barn after work putting braids in and making them better and better and better. And like, it's still a skill that I'm improving. Like, even though I'm in a very high level professional barn now, and I have like a top string of horses, like I'm always trying to see how my braids can get better. And so like, understanding that while something might be a mistake in the moment that you can like always be learning and growing from it and you know like maybe even mistake isn't the right word or embrace this just like constant unwavering improvement like there's always things that you can do better so you don't you can't hate yourself for going through the process of those things right for sure Um, yeah, so I think that's a great example. And I just love picturing you like in the barn after a long day of work, just like braiding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you would do that. Um, (laughs) but that's awesome. Like that's all about having the right mindset. So I love it. The horse was like, um, this horse is not going to a horse show. I'm like, all right, Norman, today's your day. And I just braid and take out the braids and like every night for a month. That's awesome. It was I actually it. right after um, Cat Hill had come for the world class grooming for horses clinic too. So like I had learned her way of braiding and like to this day I still braid in that. Like I, I have my own variation, but like I still kind of do exactly the same thing that she taught at the clinic. Nice. Good deal. So uh, another kind of mistake it's like I feel like its own section or you know it kind of encompasses a lot of things but a mistake that can happen is thinking that one way is like the only way to do something and again bringing it back to the horse world um if you want to be if you love horses and you want to be a professional and you think like, well, the only way I can like do this is to be a professional rider and have this big barn and the string of horses and teach these lessons and all of those things that you would typically think of as like the way to become that. Um, I think just understanding that there is more than one way, like it doesn't have to be that. And I think, Probably you can talk to this a little bit because you originally wanted to be a professional rider. Oh, absolutely. It was like, you thought that that was like the dream. That was the goal. It was my absolute heart's desire. I literally have like journals and lists and books of like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I think a lot of my optim we had an episode on realistic optimism and I think my optimism as a young rider was not realistic optimism (laughs) so I've always had a like chip on my shoulder I can do anything I set my mind to type attitude I mean they base they gave me a college degree when I was 19 years old a bachelor's degree nobody should have done that that was just like horribly setting me myself up for failure because I was like "Ah, I can do anything like I got a college degree in three years I'm 19 years old like come at me world and then when I actually got into the real world I was like it's just not as easy as like go to class get good grades um and so you know like 
going through the failures of, you know, having a horse that I didn't get along with, like falling off all the time, like completely losing my riding confidence. I kind of, I got into this concept that, you know, when I, when I got really into Navy SEALs, that that was a phase of my life. I, they talk about falling forward and falling forward fast. And like, just because you fall on your ass and make a mistake doesn't mean that's your reality. If you can keep like some sort of forward momentum going. So what I took of my failures in, um, riding first became becoming a groom. And like, that was like a deep desire of mine. And then the more and more I've experienced upper level riders and like just the industry in general from the young rider level as well, I found the lack of education in sports psychology to be really major. And so that has kind of, again, inspired my pursuit of sports psychology and not that I'm quote unquote failing as a groom, but knowing that, you know, that's not going to be my lifelong career. I'm like failing forward into this next career of sports psychology and like being able to continue my education with that. And I think that just really appreciating that anyone can thrive in any situation. I love the Albert Einstein quote that says, if you judge a fish by the ability to climb a tree, like you'll spend its your whole life thinking it's stupid. But I, mean, I don't know if I paraphrase that or whatever, but basically <laughs> like, we, get, we get the point. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just say, okay, like I wanted to be a professional rider. I'm not the rest of my life is going to be a complete failure. People can turn 50 years old and decide, oh my God, this job that I've worked my whole life on, it isn't what I decided to do with, like, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. And if they want to start over from scratch or be a working student, work with horses, like play with whatever you want to do, like you can do it as long as you're constantly like failing for it and you stay enthusiastic about your life. For sure. And just uh, an example from my life is when I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, I actually um, had the opportunity to buy a farm. That's a long story in itself. But I owned a farm for a couple of years because I thought, all right, I want to be a professional. Like, this is what I have to do. I have to farm. I have to have a bunch of horses, a bunch of clients, blah, blah, blah. And it was great. And I learned a lot. But at the end of the day, like it was not for me and I had some other opportunities. So, you know, I could think about that as like, oh, well, that was a huge mistake and a waste of my uh, time and money and effort. But uh, I actually had a client of mine who owned horses for me at the time. And they're like, you know, you're not failing. Like, just think all these years that you were, you own this farm, it was like graduate school. You know, you can't, learn these things without doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot of lessons. I learned that I personally never want to own a farm ever unless I hit the lottery. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I mean, I love riding and having horses, but like, I am fine to rent a barn the rest of my life. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I guess also, you know, once I sold that farm, I had a couple transitions, but I ended up, as you guys know, um, moving to Pennsylvania and working for Philip. And basically, like, again, that could have been thought as of 
like failing or making a mistake in some way. Cause like I was a professional, I had my own program and then I basically was like a glorified working student, which obviously led to other great things. And I'm so thankful for it. But again, it's, it's about your mindset. Like I could have easily been like, well, that was a mistake and I've failed and blah, blah, blah. But it's just all, like you said, failing forward, moving to the next thing, learning some lessons, all of that. So I love it. I love it. Not, yeah. you know, you don't love making mistakes in the moment, but you can always look back on them and be like, this is what I learned from them. And so to be able to kind of have that going into it, like when you are in the moment of making mistakes, it's not like you have to tell yourself everything is sunshine and daisies in that moment, but like having an appreciation that you'll learn from it in the future. Actually, I, I screenshotted another quote today when I was reading some of my textbook, um, that I want to read a little bit from because, um, it says as coaches, we can help our clients reframe. Oh, sorry. My phone twisted. Um, as coaches, we can help our clients reframe common struggles as opportunities. I want to be clear, however, that I don't mean this in a naive or unrealistic way. I am not of the mindset that every hardship is a gift. I find it hard to believe that tough life experiences like dealing with cancer would be considered the best thing that ever happened to me. I do, however, think that failure is a natural part of learning and hardship can lead to resilience and growth and that struggles generally can build character and meaning. Positive psychology is not about trying to convince clients that car accidents and lost jobs are really blessings in disguise. Rather, it is about looking at both sides of an issue. There are undeniable hardships associated, you know, with life, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So basically, going. yeah, like the ability to look on both sides of an issue, like it doesn't have to be like, oh, yeah, like this is great. But like being able to appreciate for both things. For sure. Well, I think we covered that topic pretty well. So if you don't have anything else to add, I'm going to close it up with this quote here. Wrap it up, Emily. Okay. So in summary, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. And that was famously said by Henry Ford. So there you go. All right. Now it's time for some comic relief because we talked about uh, our listeners. We did a listener questions where we asked our listeners. Um, So we asked our listeners to tell us a time where you seemingly made a mistake or failed, but ultimately learned a lesson. And like, I think I say comic relief because sometimes it's like lighthearted and fun to hear that other people are human too. And it it makes you feel a little bit less bad about the mistakes that you've made. So Emily, do you want to head this off? Well, um, we got a lot of great responses and we're thankful that everybody was a little bit vulnerable on the whole equestrian community and like shared their stories uh there were a lot of people that like forgot a course or a jump um or a dressage test or even tack um and then also there was a lot of mistakes because of indecision which led to problems and i can relate to all of the above for sure uh, do you want to read a couple of our favorites? Sure. Yeah, we had a listener said, 
I don't even think I have enough fingers to count the amount of times I've drawn the wrong fence. I'm a sucker for the ones when they put them at different levels all in a row. I'm guaranteed to jump the run wrong height. One time at a horse show, I avoided an entire wooded lane because I saw some ladies walking ahead of me and I didn't want to run them over. So I took another path, which led me to a completely different part of the course. I was so lost, I had to retrace my steps and follow the horse behind me out of the woods. I guess I learned that it's okay to holler at people in your path. I just, I love that. I can't even That's imagine. so funny. I was like, oh, like, you know, just like I'm cantering on my cross-country course and like just being so courteous to say like, oh, I don't want to like yeah. tell these ladies like, to move. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just find another path. Oh, wait. I have no idea where I am. Um, good good yeah, of you so, for, like, getting out of there, though, like, following the horses out. Wonderful job. Great. At least you weren't lost in the woods forever. So uh, someone else said they were free-lunging a horse and they forgot to latch the gate on the other side of the arena. Um, so you'd learn a lesson real quick on that one. That's so relatable though. Cause I feel like ga gates, like closing gates is something that's just like such in my automatic processing system that I never actually remember physically doing the closing of the gate. Yes, that I agree. And you don't really register whether or not you've done it. Like I've been, you know, um, at home or something and I'm like, did I, lock that stall door or you know whatever it is because you like you just don't register it because it's such an automatic thing isn't it absolutely um and then we had a final listener say the day before we were competing my trainer asked me to brush his horse off quickly so we could go ride i was in a rush because i had to tack up my horse as well and i tried to you know make everything happen I accidentally left shavings all over the horse's face. This is the one time my trainer has actually really chastised me and I've learned to pay more attention, be more diligent, and that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you fix them and learn from them. And I think this ties like so well into mindfulness and like the concept that you have to go slow to go fast. And I think that a lot of times, like especially in my early years of grooming, like I had this go mode of like, let's just get this done that the details kind of went out the window and like you didn't even realize the gravity of those mistakes and like how those little details affect the big picture in such astronomical ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that's, you know, you see that in the barn a lot with like young and hungry working students who, you know, are trying to be fast and get things done, but you're like, okay, so you got it done, but you missed this, this, and that, you know, and it's really paying attention to those details and taking your time. Um, that's going to get you further. Absolutely. So, all right, that wraps that up. Moving on to actionable advice. Mm -hmm. We are going to encourage you to journal about a past or current mistake. And journaling, as you've heard us talk about before, is really important. Like putting pen to paper and just kind of getting your thoughts out there, it can be a really useful tool in just learning more about yourself and like how you actually feel about a situation. So thinking about this mistake that you've made, kind of explain just what happened and then what you were in control of and what you would do differently in the future. 
and what this has ultimately taught you. So those are just four kind of bullet points that you could write a sentence or two about. And I think just reading it in the moment is useful, but it's also something you could go back to in the future if you're in a similar situation. So definitely. I think that that's good. And I almost, um, you know, like writing a letter to yourself too, when you're kind of like frustrated about a mistake that you've made and like maybe compassionately reminding yourself that it's not the end of the world and, you know, really writing down to like learn, figure out what you can learn from the situation will, will help you move forward in a positive way, but it will also help you feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. So nice. what's, what's next, Emily? Well, I do believe that we have some merchandise coming out soon. We talked about this in our last episode. Uh, Tyler had some cool t-shirts made up, and we're waiting for them to arrive. It should I'm, be soon. I'm chalking it up to whatever crappy weather's going on in pretty much every other part of the country right now, because I think our t-shirts were made in Chicago, but I should be able to get in contact with our, with our guys soon and uh, get those out here for us. So I'm pretty excited to get those on the market. Stay tuned. Cool. Side note, speaking of crappy weather, I talked to my mom today and she said it was negative 18, like actual temperature, not even like with wind chill. I was like, what? That that's, is way too cold for human beings. That's so crazy. anyone in Wisconsin dealing with that, I I'm I just like I feel for you. And we have quite a listener base in Wisconsin. So yeah. we feel for you guys for sure. Stay warm. Well we won't be coming for a clinic um until it warms up, but we will be getting available weekends out. Well we can do a social media blast within the next few weeks here of you know, a few dates that will be available um, through the spring and summer. Yes. And uh, we would like to have more experts on our show that tie into our four pillars of mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. So if you have any suggestions, anyone that you would like to hear from and think would have an interesting take on these topics, let us know. You can email at us at thewholeequestrian at gmail.com. And also, if you would like to support and get involved with the show, um, we can give you more info on that because we, we love this. This is a labor of love, but there are some costs involved. So if um, anyone is wanting to sponsor an episode, we would love to, you know, work with you. All right. I think that's, I think that's everything, Emily. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we didn't, like... Oh, I guess we're moving on to that next. My computer is being funny. But anyway, <laughs> we hope this gives you some insight on how to embrace your mistakes and learn from them to improve your future responses in similar circumstances. Uh, we love hearing your guys' feedback. Please check us out on social media. Send us a message. Subscribe. Send us a review. If you leave us a review on Facebook or Apple Podcasts, you'll get a shout out on the show. So be sure to do that. Um, and we just really look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.